Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fantango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango, it's your ticket to the movies. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you do for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Welcome into Beth the Edge on this Friday. He is Drew Densick. I'm Sarah Perlman. We appreciate you joining us here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. Coming up on today's show, NBA Summer League is in the rear view, and it looks like the league is starting to take form after free agency and trade. So today we're going to get an early look on awards markets with Ken Barkley from You Better You Bet and Points Bet's head trader Jay Croucher. Plus, as we always do here on the show, Drew and I will wrap up the podcast with our edge of the day. All that and a lot more coming up here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Drew, Friday energy, Friday vibes with the yellow shirt. How was your week? What's going on? Uh, well, this time of year is weird, uh, <laughs> you know, Pretty for sports. So. If you're a kind of a, a, a grinder, if you're daily betting, uh, or creating content in the betting space. Uh, the middle of July is one of the tougher times to come up with things to get People action. People probably notice that everyone um, in sports takes their vacation right now. It's like a known thing. It's a and that's a fine strategy, frankly. Um, the uh, but you know the Tour de France is going on right now. Watching that every morning, and while the entertainment has been incredible, mm-hmm. I have been losing my shirt <laughs> trying to find winners in the Tour de France. It is absolute chaos. Very, very challenging to predict. Uh, and it looks like we are going to, uh, you know, we know our winner at this point. It's going to be Jonas Vinigou, uh, who was, I believe, something like five to one to win the Tour de France before the uh, action started. So that was a little bit mm. of a shocker. Um, and uh, just in general, the stages and the strategy have been amazing to watch play out, but it's been very unpredictable. Uh, World Athletic Championships going on right now as well. Yes. That's track and field, obviously. Um, and that, boy, oh boy, those have been on every night on uh, Peacock and USA. And boy, the, some of that racing has been absolutely incredible. Uh, United States is out, is utterly dominating. Um, it's fun to see us. So you've been so betting well. this all week long. Yes. <laughs> and, has yes. Been, and has it been profitable? Oh yeah, world. So last year in the Olympics, I uh, again I, I took it on the chin. Uh, a lot of the Team USA athletes I expected to show up, and they just absolutely no showed. But they came for redemption this year, and so did I. So it has been a very profitable week betting track and field. But I've been giving it all back in cycling, uh, and then of course we had the home run derby and the All Star game, which were yeah, we eh. it was you know and you know what? Who did you getting, bet for the yeah. home run derby? Did you bet Pete Alonso? No, I didn't. I, uh, I had a little bit of skin and uh, a couple guys that went out in round one. Um, but you know what? It was going to be almost impossible for them to top last year's home run derby. 
you know it was cool to see j-rod break out like he's a great future superstar but like yes, when your inspirational story is juan soto didn't get a a, a private flight to la in order to compete like it's that's week. that's yeah right in today's environment that's it's tough to really get the feels going when the you know when the emotional story is uh, about a guy not getting a private flight so um you know i, th I thought uh, obviously uh, i'm i'm not even really making a joke last year's home run derby was extremely memorable uh and uh you know this year i thought came up a little short but um it was uh still a very fun uh um you know very fun week so a far. lot of people yeah place bets i know in the all-star game and home run derby but not everyone betting track like you track and field so i'm happy that was profitable it's funny i was saying what a slow week it was for me betting wise i almost could not find anything luckily i do have a bet at the end of the show on the mls for tomorrow night but knowing you just grinding throughout the week, it makes a ton of sense. And you've gotten winners along the way. Hey, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on Tuesday and Thursday. That's called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. All right, Summer League has wrapped up, so let's break down the NBA awards market for the upcoming season. And for that, we have Ken Barkley of You Better, You Bet, and of course, Jay Croucher, head trader over at PointsBet. Guys, I'm excited to kind of recap Summer League and what it means now moving forward as we get ready for the futures market. So let's begin with the Rookie of the Year market. Um, anything stand out to you now that Summer League has officially wrapped up, Ken? Well, I think, uh, and good to be on with you guys. I, I kind of want to ask you a bunch of SB stories, Sarah, but I, I don't know if we're allowed to do that on this platform. So <laughs> maybe, we, uh, maybe yeah, we have to go on. I think we'll find out. If SBs you went to the SBs are dead to me. Right. Yeah. So, well, if you went to like the NBCs, I guess I'd be able to ask you questions about it, but maybe the, maybe the SBs not so much. Uh, Rookie of the year is, I think my advice to people right now in this market would be to absolutely not overreact or even react period to something that you saw during summer league or any of the ways it played out. There's, a lot of examples historically of this guy really popped in summer league. Everybody was kind of talking about him and then somebody else won, right? So like Victor Oladipo back in the day was by far the best player in summer league that year. Michael Carter Williams of the Sixers who won about 15 games that season ended up winning rookie of the year. Carl Anthony Towns didn't have a great summer league. He averaged like 12 and three or something. I mean, just, it's not, you, you can be great. That's okay. It just doesn't really matter if you were great, I guess is my point. So um, my strategy exiting summer league basically is just the same as it was going in. I'm looking for a top six player in terms of drafted in the top six picks. That's basically been every single winner with only a couple exceptions. And those exceptions are really explainable and bizarre. Like Anthony Bennett getting drafted number one, he probably wouldn't win. So a top six pick. And, uh, and honestly, to start the year, it might just be the longest price because of the top six picks, I don't think we do a good job predicting who's going to be good. So right now, that's definitely Benedict Matherin of the Indiana Pacers. I think he is as likely to win as some of the other favorites that we're going to talk about, Bancaro or Chad Holmgren. So longest price of the top six, not overreacting to Summer League. I think that's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay. So basically, um, sell the hype on Chad is what I get out of that. Um, sure. which is fine that I'm fine. I'm fine with that. In or general. Paolo, uh, or uh, I think the Paolo hype is deserved. We'll, okay. we'll, uh, we'll, 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 we'll leave it at that, <laughs> but no, uh, I'll, uh, I'll pivot to same question, you know, similar question to Jay. Um, we, have you seen the market shape in, you know, or, or have you seen the market overreact 
uh, if that uh, is, uh, you know, which I agree with is kind of a plausible, you know, something that happens after summer league is over. Yeah, good to say, Drew, you're still sticking up for your boy Paolo Bancaro a few weeks after the draft. <laughs> he, has to. Gonna be, he has to. Yeah. He has to. He's going to be joined at the hip for the next decade. Um, yeah, look, I think. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Paolo's only playing 10 years? <laughs> yeah. What are you? What are, what are we talking about here? His yeah, Hall of Fame induction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Indeed. No, I think that. <laughs> Look, Bancaro, the one thing that I'd be worried about with him is that there are a few mouths to feed on Orlando in terms of high usage guys. Like, well, not necessarily even high usage, but guys who are going to have the ball in their hands, like Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, who was really good last year and should take a step up. Uh, I think that going outside of him, I think Chet Holmgren is the guy who's most likely to impact winning. Um, and Jabari Smith would be closely behind him. And then if you are looking at longer shots, what you need to look for really is, you know, guys who are going to have opportunities to start and get usage. Uh, I still pull one out for my Alperin Shangun ticket at 50 to 1 last year. I think that <laughs> Shangun, had he got the minutes, he would have been thereabouts, but he just didn't, he didn't start and he didn't get a chance. So, when you're looking at it through that lens, I think guys like Benedict Matherin, who's going to have a lot of opportunity on a bad paces team to put up numbers. I think Keegan Murray, who looked incredible in summer league, there's a very good chance he starts and can put up numbers in Sacramento as well. Uh, so, yeah, I think there's still a lot to a lot to shake out, but probably wouldn't be buying into Bancaro at this point and be looking at more like guys like Keegan Murray and Benedict Matherin. Jabari Smith, Jay, curious, looking at the prices at points, but he was 4-1. to one. I guess if summer league doesn't matter too much, he's now plus 650. Why? What's the reasoning behind some of the, the, the prices moving here? Well, I think the problem with Jabari Smith is he can't dribble. And uh, he's never really been able to dribble. And I uh, just wonder how much usage he can get and how many raw points he can put up. Uh, at the same time, you know, defensively, outside of probably Chet, he's probably the guy who's going to have the most impact in year one. He might be the player who impacts winning the most along with Chet in the first year. So I think there is a little bit of bias towards the number one pick where had Javari just gone one as was expected, would his price be a little bit shorter in the market? Maybe. Uh, so Javari is an interesting one. I think that that Houston team, I'd just be buying them in general. I think they're going to be a bit better than expected. I think they're going to be pretty fun as well. But with guys whose value comes from defense, particularly in something like Rookie of the Year, like voters just don't value defense appropriately. It's just like, okay, you're a good defender or you're a bad defender. I don't think the degrees of being a great defender versus a good defender mm. will probably get factored in as much, which, which could hurt guys like Chet and Jabari. Uh, you look, need look no further than Evan Mobley last year, who yes. was elite defensively and somehow lost to Scotty Barnes, uh, which still stings a little. But that's another story for another day. And uh, imagine thinking somebody who can't dribble would go first overall in the NBA draft. Couldn't be, wouldn't, couldn't be me. Um, let's let's pivot to a, a market that uh, Jay tipped us on uh, last year and uh, was probably one of the most sweatless awards bets i've ever had in my life and that is six man of the year where uh you were early and often uh on the um uh, tyler hero corner and uh, he basically went wire to wire which is again rare um is there anyone uh jay that stands out to you uh at this current uh, stage when you look at roles responsibilities and guys coming off the bench yeah, so I think this year's Tyler Hero and the guy who clearly stands out to me is Jordan Poole. The problem is he's a quarter of what Hero's price was <laughs> last year, so it's not quite as fun of a bet. Uh, but I would be fading Tyler Hero in this market generally this season just because I think there's a very good chance he doesn't qualify for the award. 
uh, because there's a chance that he'll start on this Miami team. And there's also a big chance he gets traded. And if he gets traded, he's almost 100% chance to start on his new team, mm. which will likely not be a very good team if, he, if Tyler Hero is getting traded to uh, Utah or a rebuilding Brooklyn team. So look, I'd be fading Hero. I think the pool is the clear class of this market just in terms of one, he's probably the best player. Uh, offensively, well, he will be the best player offensively coming off the bench, and he's going to get a lot of usage. He, unlike the rest of the Warriors, who I don't think are really going to care about the regular season too much, doesn't really mean that much to Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. It's going to mean stuff to Jordan Poole because he needs to get paid. So I think that he's going to be putting up big numbers, and then I just don't see another really exciting name on this list. Malcolm Brogdon, mm-hmm. so many players on his team. Anthony Simons, good chance he starts. Jordan Clarkson's on a really bad team, and it's hard to win this award on bad teams. Cam Johnson, maybe, but can he score 18 points a game? Probably not. So I think Paul is the guy. Okay. Fascinating. As we look at the odds here, getting ready for next season, 4-1 to one for Jordan Poole. If we look historically, a shooting guard has won the sixth man of the year award 16 out of the last 18 seasons. Pretty remarkable. Ken, I like how you broke down rookie of the year market looking for the best price available right now before the season starts. As we look at the sixth man of the year award, do any names pop for you or guys possibly that we should fade? I think uh, the first thing I'd say is I just thought I thought that was really good analysis by Jay, just as someone who does this, like this type of stuff on other platforms. <laughs> just like the fact that someone like him and I would actually talk about this on the same show. It's like some sort of like award utopia for me. I don't really get to have these conversations <laughs> oh, very often. Like, you know, and Whale knows this too. Like you go, you know, I'm about to do some radio hits in various markets around the country. Nobody's really coming with that level of information, which is great. Uh, usually I have to do it. So um, it's good just to, to piggyback on something you said. So I, everything you said is completely accurate. I agree with it uh, for the most part. Like Jordan Poole is by far the most likely player to win. I think that's uh, it makes a ton of sense historically. Um, Jay also alluded to something. It's really tough to win on a bad team. He used that as a reference for Jordan Clarkson. You can apply it, obviously, to a number of other players that we're going to see uh, in the market. And just to provide some historical context for that, there basically is zero historical precedent for a player playing for a team that finishes under 500 ever winning the award. Uh, if you go back... I go back to 2000 because then you just start getting into like lockout season and the game being played differently and, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. A lot of times players in the early 2000s or 90s that won this award, like, you know, either like didn't start and then just like all of the all of the things that go into winning the award have kind of changed basically, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as we've gone into this decade. But just the 50 percent winning percentage thing is, I think, like the most important criteria aside from the obvious aside from just being good at basketball and coming off the bench aside from those two things um there's basically only one player that's even won under 58 percent of his games who's ever won and it was lou williams in 2018 so just like you know work the problem the other way would actually be my advice rather than like player driven analysis looking at the market and who they list I would work the problem the other way, make a shorthand list of the teams that you think are the most likely to win about 60% of their games this year. You're only going to come up with like eight teams or like 10 teams, basically. Okay. Of the teams that are most likely to win 60% of their games, who are the most likely candidates to be like a easily identifiable high usage, you know, just, and literally not even like 
counting stats, just points per game. No other stat guides this award. It's literally just points per game. It's so obvious um, who these players are going to be. So if you make that list, okay, let's like do the exercise really quick. Okay. Uh, the Warriors are really likely to win 60% of their games. Jordan Poole is their really obvious sixth man candidate, you know, and then you kind of go to some teams where it's like a little murky. Okay. If the Bucks win 60%, do they have an obvious candidate? Probably not. Okay. If the Celtics win 60%, do they have a really obvious candidate? I would say probably not. So like, okay, you kind of start check off these teams. Okay. If the Heat win 60%, what if Tyler Hero's not on the team? So like, you can kind of check off teams really quick here. There are a couple names that I would say stand out just as like, if you're not going to bet Jordan Poole, if you want to try to beat him, just like identifying a smart player to take a shot at, if you want to try to beat him, and I'm not even sure you should do that, the two that would stand out would be, okay, I think the Sixers are really likely to win more than 60% of their games. I think that's like a really obvious team. De'Anthony Melton is a guy that they traded for from Memphis, who is kind of like an upside shooting guard, didn't really have a big role because the team was so crowded kind of situation. And his price is massive right now. You can still get, I think, 30, 35 to one on him on De'Anthony Melton. So again, it's like, I like Jordan Poole, but just if you want to try to beat him, that would be one guy that stands out. And then the other one who breaks a couple rules and has actually been getting bet in a couple places in this market. I think Denver is really set up to have an insanely good regular season. I wouldn't be surprised if they were, you know, in contention for the one seed at the end of the year. Okay. If that's true, they basically kind of not moved mountains, but reorganized their roster with trades to create a ton of opportunity for Bones Highland, a second year player who they love. Now, second year players historically basically never win this award, but Tyler Hero was in his third year last year. It's really just like an opportunity award. And, and I think Bones Highland could end up being that player for Denver. So I'm not telling you Jordan Poole can't win or that it's a vulnerable favorite, but um, those are two guys who kind of also check all the boxes and the teams are going to be very good, most importantly. Um, so those would be two that kind of stand out. Completely agree with everything Ken said there and looking for winning teams is key. I think Bones Highland is a guy with a lot of upside. A team just doesn't have many guards as well uh, who can put up numbers. And then one guy who I would throw out as a long shot, uh, and look, I don't think he's going to win the award, but I think there is scope for Victor Oladipo to come off the bench and totally he has a agree. history previously of being high usage and he looked pretty healthy towards the end of last season and look there's a chance that he just averages eight points a game just doesn't really play that much but there's also a chance that you know he comes off the bench and he's very incentivized to put up numbers uh and kind of get his next contract and that miami team particularly if hero's not there uh they don't have a lot of guys who can dribble uh and so i think that oladipo in terms of 50 to 1 shots or longer he would probably be the guy that i would look at over someone like say john wall who i know has been popular but I just, there's so many players on that team uh that it's going to be difficult for him to really put up a lot of numbers so oladipo as a, as a prayer let's go right back to and try to explore one more team and it is the clippers and not john wall who i don't even think really has a role on this team but <laughs> A guy like Norman Powell or a guy like Terrence Mann move the needle at all at an enormous price? Do you think Powell starts too many games? The problem is it's like a guy like Norman Powell or Terrence Mann or Luke Kennard, and they all play on the same team, and they're all going to average like 12 points a game. Um, so I think that that's the issue is that they just start to really cannibalize each okay. other. It's the same totally. thing with, with Wall and Reggie Jackson, whoever doesn't start. I mean, mm -hmm. I just think all those Clippers, one, they're not going to play big minutes because they've got – like 13 good players and then two just the usage is just going to be so distributed and the ball is going to be in the hands of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard so much that um, while I think that on talent level and merit guys like Norman Powell definitely 
um, would have a chance on a, on another team. I just think the Clippers, it's just going to be too difficult. Yeah, it's hard when there's so many of them kind of in that category. What about a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, Ken? I'm curious. He's 18 to 1 right now as we're showing the odds in the lower third of the screen here. Could you make an argument for him? Well, this is this gets to like probably my final point that it, it's almost funny because this award in a way is funny if you think about what we're like, what are we awarding, right? It's like we're we're awarding someone who's really good but not good enough to start and occupies this really like niche <laughs> role on the team. That's really funny. So the last piece of advice I would give to people is like be scouring news like are these players actually starting or not <laughs> that would be my my like number one thing because you need somebody to be really good and yet somehow not good enough that they're going to get a starting role on the team it's a bizarre gray area a line to have to walk to make these decisions so when i first looked at this market like a, i think it opened about three weeks ago spencer dinwiddie was one of the first names that i wrote down is like this guy's really interesting checks all of the historical boxes dallas is going to win a ton of games probably now jalen brunson's not there we can talk about how much they're really going to win but like they, he makes a bunch of sense. And so I I even, I think, did a segment right when the market opened and I said that. And then about three days later, during Summer League, Jason Kidd, during, I guess, some media availability or something, head coach for Dallas, obviously, says Spencer Dinwiddie is going to start this year. Like, says it overtly. And he is the coach. Yeah. So now once he says that, you're kind of like, okay, I guess I can't like Spencer Dinwiddie anymore if he's literally going to start games. Makes him ineligible to win the award. I think the the most number of games anyone's ever started and won this in the last like 10 years is something like 20 or something. Basically, there's like no precedent for starting a ton of games and winning. So if Spencer Dinwiddie is going to move into a new role, now you cross him off the list. Now here's the fun part. Mm -hmm. Like the market's not going to react to that, right? No one's paying attention to this. So Dinwiddie's still going to be listed like he's one of the favorites, but you can know as someone who looks at the market, that there are just some players where it's like, well, that guy literally can't win. He's ineligible to win unless some, there's some big shakeup on Dallas that we're not anticipating. There's one wrinkle on that, though, and that's the voters don't always know who's starting. Sure. There's 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 okay. some murkiness in terms of the voting block and in knowing who right. the sixth men actually are. <laughs> I would still say there's like probably a, a ceiling on how many games someone can start before it's so obvious. Right. That they're a starter, basically. And remember, an injury actually hurts you. It doesn't help you in this situation. Like, there isn't a back door to win this award. Because if somebody gets hurt, like, Spencer Dinwiddie is just starting even more. Like, it doesn't okay, help you put it to around 20 games or less that they start in the regular season. Yeah, there's there's like one example. Eric Gordon won for Houston uh, when they yes. had that great season, obviously. I think he started like 40. But every other, like, last 10 years, it's like 2, 10, 2, 1. Like, I mean, it's really... Because again, think about like what we're awarding. The most obvious aspect of it is sixth man. It's not even player performance. It's that you're the sixth guy. Yeah, so if you're not going to be that, then then you're ineligible. It's just it's a funny award. It's honestly just very. Yeah. Funny. And if Zach Lowe feels like making a case for a guy that started 30 games, then you're in trouble. Right. Yes. Exactly. Or Tim Bontemps takes a straw yeah, poll right. and then releases the results. Yeah. <laughs> yeah then you're, right. Yeah. Well, it's outstanding advice to get involved with that bet in particular, that market. So keep an eye, of course, on the sixth man of the year, knowing what, what they all just said. We're going to get to the most improved player market next, but first we did want to let you know that weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Cubs take on the Phillies on Sunday, July 24th at 1130 a.m. Eastern live on both NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to peacocktv.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Goal for the United States! 
And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. <laughs> oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds, fast and easy live betting. Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sports book partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts all in a fast and reliable sports book. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply. Must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited, must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, one 888 3500 in Virginia, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms dash and dash conditions. Okay, you did happen to mention Jalen Brunson earlier, so I do want to get to most improved player of the year here, Ken and Jay. And it's interesting, Jay, as I look at the most improved player of the year market, um, points bet along with most books, similarly to most awards, you know, have similar again, um, odds as I look at the market, but how do you come around to setting the market? I'm looking at guys like Anthony Edwards and Jalen Brunson, as we mentioned, being the favorites right now, what goes into setting this market for most improved player in particular? Yeah. So this is definitely the most convoluted award, um, the difficult, the most difficult one to grasp. I think the things to look at with this award is one, who's the most likely player to be a first time all-star, uh, on a good team, generally, which has been important, but not an absolute prerequisite. I think Kevin Love won on a 17-win Timberwolves team. Ingram won when they didn't make the playoffs in New Orleans. But for the most part, it leans towards winning teams. And then just who can have the biggest raw stat increases, mainly with points per game. Uh, Randall was one exception where you know his increase really came from his assists going up, but when you're in the New York market, you get a big, a big bump just in general. So Edwards, I would say, is the favorite of anyone to be a first-time All-Star. The 
one problem with him is that he's already a 20 point per game scorer and so mm -hmm. how big is his ceiling when he's still playing next to Carl Anthony Towns next to D'Angelo Russell who are going to need the ball so that would be one thing with Edwards and then in terms of other first time all-stars I mean Jalen Brunson I guess but I think that particularly with the, the looming likelihood that Donovan Mitchell is next to Jalen Brunson that just destroys Brunson for this award if that trade goes through and then I think other guys to look at, Michael Porter Jr., uh, he has a huge ceiling in terms of his scoring potential. And then another guy who, who I bet on hoping that he would be on a new team, but I think it's still an outside chance for the award is DeAndre Ayton, who has scope, I think, to be a 20-plus uh, points-per-game scorer, uh, even on Phoenix, where Paul's getting older. I think that Ayton will be more featured, uh, and he's another guy who could... Uh, be a first-time All-Star, and he'll, he'll have plenty of narrative as well if he uh, does clear the, the 20 points per game mark. Mm, narrative is the key for this market, and I really, really have a tough time predicting this. Uh, Ken, are there any other kind of um, ways to corner this one from a historical standpoint? I think uh, I wish I could take this entire market, which has so many players listed in it too. I wish I could reduce it to just such a small number where there's, well, you just bet that pool of players and you just win. Like, that's how it works. Like, I honestly feel like MVP works like that sometimes. If you really pay attention, you could just, at the start of the year, you go, well, it's this guy, this guy, or this guy. Like, I'm done. Like, I just win. That's how it works, basically. <laughs> Unless something really crazy happens. This market doesn't work like that. But one thing you can do, again, I talk about kind of working the problem the other way. I think you can eliminate a ton of players in this market just on site with historical qualifiers. And these aren't like hard and fast rules, but to a certain extent they are. So Jay's... One of the great points that he made at the start that I would just, again, shine a light on is you basically want someone who's been very good, but has definitely not made an all-star team before. There is no historical precedent in the history of the award for someone making an all-star team at any point in their career and then winning this. So the all-star kind of acts as like the you've made it moment where you can't be most improved anymore. If we look at the market, okay, like there are obvious crossouts for players, even players who are getting bet and seeing their price drop who have made all-star games previously. LaMelo Ball made the all-star team last year. Darius Garland made the all-star team last year. Zion Williamson made the all-star team two years ago. I also averaged about 26 points per game too. So it's just, instead of working at like, I got to find that one guy that I like. Well, let me start by just crossing off dozens of names of players who just don't make any sense where they are really low usage guy last year. Okay, well, like there's a, lot, a, a usage floor. You have to have been used a lot to then make a step forward and be the most improved player. There's a ton of guys who fit that. Like Scotty Barnes doesn't fit that. Brandon Clark doesn't really fit that for the Grizzlies, even though I kind of like him. There's a, a bunch of guys who fit that criteria. So when you get through all the crossouts, I can't tell you you're going to have this great, like you're still going to have some names and you can't bet them all. So it's really just like, can you at least create a pool that's like manageable where you're only making even bets on eligible players or players that make any sense to win? I, I do agree that Anthony Edwards is maybe by far the most likely player to win. I agree with Jay that the fact that he averaged 21 points per game is tough. The usual points per game improvement year over year is about five. And it's like, you know, we have some wiggle room there. Obviously it's not always five. Sometimes it's eight. Sometimes it's four. Depends on how, you know, if Julius Randle plays in New York, for example, he doesn't have to improve as much, but like kind of ask yourself if you're going to bet Anthony Edwards, you're making a bet on Anthony Edwards to average like 27 points per game this season. And like, what does that mean? If he averages, okay, then he's like a top five leading scorer in the mm -hmm. league. Like that's what we're saying. Is he a third team, all NBA player? If that's what you need Anthony Edwards to be to win, it makes it tough. I would just one player I would bring up that we haven't talked about yet 
is Tyrese Halliburton, who I think is actually a little interesting. There's and Sarah, it looks looks like you were maybe going to follow up on that too. Mm-hmm. I just think there is precedent for being on a winning team and winning this award. Sixth man, you cannot be on a lose. Like it's not possible to be on a losing team and win. There's no precedent in sixth man. There's there's enough precedent that I think if you had the right player in the right situation with big numbers, there are about five or six historical examples in the last 25, 20, 25 years of this happening. And it could be Halliburton. So I wouldn't, I can't kick him out. And his improvement when he got to the Pacers makes him really interesting too. He also only averaged 15 points per game last year. What's easier going from 22 to 27 or just becoming a 20 points per game score on a bad team and being their only all-star representative. Maybe they don't have an all-star. It's not going to be miles Turner. It's not going to be Mather and he's a rookie. Okay. Maybe there's an opportunity there with another player like Halliburton. So I would just kind of shine a light on him as well. Yeah, I think Halliburton's a good shout. I think that also there is a little bit of a cheat code in this market where you can look at players who have already made the improvement. It just happened at the end of the season when no one was paying attention. Miles Bridges was the guy last season who the season prior in the second half, he was kind of already putting up the stats that he did at the start of this season when for a time he was the favorite. And Halliburton is definitely the guy who fits that mold where when he went to Indiana, he started putting up 17 and 10. Uh, so he's already shown that he can make that improvement. I will say as well that, you know, this is just, it's a very silly market because, you know, two years ago when Nikola Jokic won MVP, he should have won most improved player as well. He was clearly the most improved player in the league. But to Ken's point, it doesn't go to those types of players. It doesn't go from star players who become superstars. Uh, it just doesn't go to that type. And it also doesn't go to the type of player who improves. Like, like I think Precious Achua is going to improve this year, but he, is going to improve to like 13, 14 points per game. It's not going to be enough. You need guys who are in like the 15 to 18 points per game range who then leap up to 20 plus. Mm -hmm. Or like Ja Morant, he would be the precedent for Edwards where you go from 20 to 27. And it's difficult to make, but, you know, these guys have the talent. So, yeah, lots to consider in this market. Kind of hurts my head just thinking about it. But um, (laughs) there, there will be some opportunities throughout the season. Are we at the place where we can help shape this at any way at this point? Like we're in media. We can talk about who we sure. think is the most. That had improved. to be the smartest like, breakdown of that. This had, <laughs> by the way, just, just to, just to like really pump you guys up. This had to be the smartest 30 minutes on NBA awards that's ever been put on betting content. This has to be that. Like July. it has to be. Our there's ego no, is going to feel so good this week. With all of us together. Guys. There's no way. Like this was the best. Like, so yeah, maybe we can then. Maybe it's possible then if we have this much kind of uh, wattage in one. Uh, in one show talking about the same thing and doing it really intelligently. You don't find this in very many places. It's only July. Just give it a few months and right? see what yes. plays come out of here getting ready right. for the NBA season. Uh, no, this was incredible. Thank you guys both so much. You could follow Ken and Jay on Twitter. Ken at Lockie Lockerson. You could check him out 3 to 7 p.m. Eastern with Nick Costos on You Better You Bet. And of course, Jay, he is on Twitter at CroucherJD. He comes on every single week. Gives us unique betting insight here um, from the other side of the counter on Bet the Edge and what's going on over at Points Bet. Thank you both. Both. Good luck with all of your wagers this weekend. Have an awesome weekend as well. Thanks, Thanks guys. We wrap up the show on this Friday, as we always do with our edge of the day. That, of course, is our best bet on the board. Drew, start us off. Edge of the day. We got three months to wait now until NBA starts. This isn't fun. <laughs> this isn't fair. Or you can uh, think about everything we said. Start getting involved in the market mm. between yourself, obviously, and, and Ken and Jay. No, I'm ready to I'm ready to get involved in the futures market right <laughs> when we sign off here. Yeah, man. All right. Well, 
there's tennis today, so that'll scratch the itch, I guess. Um, the, uh, the the tournaments this week are all fun because for the most part, they're going on in like faraway locations that are just like dream vacation spots. And okay. the women's tour finds themselves in Palermo, uh, which if you didn't know, is just an all-time seaside resort in Sicily and uh, just a beautiful setting for a tournament. Uh, and uh, in general, uh, not getting a lot of uh, especially sharp play out of our <laughs> out of our top contenders here. Surprise. Everybody's kind of on vacation. Um, and, uh, you know, this isn't to say that, you know, some of the results from Caroline Garcia, who has come in with the strongest form, I would say, of any of the contenders here. Uh, you know, she hasn't been especially sharp. Uh, she's been kind of, you know, lackadaisical at times, uh, forced to find, uh, you know, a higher gear to get by players that she otherwise should be comfortably. And I think that is in the cards against a very, very challenging young upcomer in Luca um, Bronzetti. Uh, and Bronzetti has, uh, has actually shown us some pretty impressive tennis so far this summer. Uh, you know, she had a, a challenging loss to Potapova uh, recently that really I thought kind of was eye-opening in terms of her ability to go up against a player who is clearly better than her and you know really push her and force her to go the distance. And I think that is what we see here in the head-to-head -head against Caroline Garcia. Uh, and we talked about it when we were like kind of pit, you know kind of picking through well, how do you go about betting on clay versus grass? And you know, in in the exact same uh, kind of mindset, um, we have a total in this game of 20 and a half that is very juicy. That number 20 and a half is probably only getting bet, you know, only get only reaching that uh, threshold if there are three sets because six, four, six, four is your most likely common score here. That's only 20 games. Right. Uh, and so realistically, you're not likely to see a tie break here. There's going to be plenty of breaks of serve. Uh, we have seen that from both of these players over their clay uh, swings in recent years. And so I think the idea of this being a longer match, uh, the dog having a little bit of a shot is very real. And over two and a half sets at plus 150 uh, is a uh, is an advantage play by my numbers. My fair price for over two and a half sets is plus 125. So you're getting about 25 cents there. Yes. Uh, and I think uh, this should be a fun, beautiful Italian seaside winner. Tomorrow, 6 a.m. That's Saturday Eastern. So you you could be maybe uh, awake out on the West Coast. Hopefully you're just waking up to a winner. This is fun, and it's going to be gorgeous to watch. So plus 150, juicy price there. I'll get involved with you. And on my place also tomorrow, it's tomorrow night. Believe it or not, I'm going to the MLS. That is right. Talked about scratching the itch. Let's get involved with some soccer here. I'm taking the Philadelphia Union plus 175. They're playing Orlando City. I talked about this team a few weeks ago, just how sound they were defensively in terms of the Union, but they needed to get it going with their offense. And that same time I talked about them, they were playing D.C. United. They scored seven. Now they've won three straight. They certainly rely on their strong defense. They have one of the best goalkeepers in all of Major League Soccer, Andre Blake, to bail them out. They've actually only conceded 15 goals. You look at Orlando City, they've given up 30 goals in Major League Soccer this season. Union atop of the Eastern Conference. NYCFC is right behind them. There's a lot of season to go, but every win matters right now in conference standings. Plus, Orlando, they've only won one of their last five games in the MLS or MLS games rather. So plus 175, I have no idea why they're dogs on the road for Philadelphia. Um, so give me the union on the money line as road underdogs against Orlando City tomorrow night. Plus 150 is nice. 
plus 175. Plus 175. Oh, plus 175. Your dog's on the road. Nice. I can't figure out why. Yeah. Nice. The juicy like number this. there. MLS. Look at you. Oh, the MLS. Yeah. <laughs> You've been no. watching any of the women's Euro? A little bit. Yeah. Pretty incredible. It's been fun. Really fun. I haven't yeah. bet any. I have not. I had a, I had a little uh, Germany minus one and a half. Oh, did you? Today. Did you see the end of that game? <laughs> I saw it on my phone when I landed. <laughs> it was wild. They were winning one zero. It looked like, uh, you know, basically Germany had parked the bus. I'm sure there's a uh, the auto bus. Uh, and um, oh, and yeah, and then uh, the goal kick gets deflected in for a, 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 a final, uh, you know, the two zero decider, which, uh, you know, wins the handicap. Yeah. That was that I haven't won. Haven't won a, a fluky bet like that in a while. So that was fun. That's the best. That's how you know it's a good juju weekend coming towards you. Hey, before we close it out on this weekend, obviously be watching tennis. I'll be watching some MLS tomorrow night. What else is going on out in California? Oh man, it's going to be a beautiful. Let's hammer the NBA awards markets. <laughs> it's going to be a beautiful weekend here. I can't uh, uh, really can't wait for the weekend after uh, last couple of weekends where we had days off and holidays and stuff like that. This has been a long week, <laughs> so I'm very very fired up that it's Friday. Okay, nice. Yeah, it is Friday. It's been a fun week. Only two shows here. We are back tomorrow on, uh, excuse me, on Monday on Bet the Edge, not tomorrow. Monday and Friday next week here on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. We hope all of you listening have an amazing weekend of betting and an incredible weekend in general. For Drew Dinsick, I am Sarah Perlman. Thanks for being with us here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. See you guys on Monday.